prices are up early investigating an unknown respiratory virus outbreak in China's Wuhan city. The World Health Organization says the outbreak in Wuhan city was caused by a previously unknown type of coronavirus. cannot confirm human-to-human -human transmission of the virus. The first case of COVID-19 in the United States. We're enduring a great national trial and we will prove that we can meet the moment. The system is not really geared to what we need right now, what you are asking for. Welcome to the World Health Organization press briefing on COVID-19. They're calling it the Second Great Depression as global... Yell Street facing heavy losses over the past several weeks is causing investors to... Mandatory stay-at-home restrictions across many states is forcing... Lockdown continues as Italy brings in the military to enforce restrictions. Over 10 million Americans applied for unemployment with a record 6.6... Disruption in the food supply chain as farmers... Worry we're about seeing now is something that's unprecedented. Social distancing could have a devastating effect on people fighting with depression. Fear and anxiety grip the nation as the unknown cost of life and living loom in the balance. Today, the greatest risk of global catastrophe doesn't look like this. Instead, it looks like this. If anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Now, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. The benefits there in terms of reducing sickness, reducing the population growth, it really allows the society a chance to take care of itself. Uh, once you've made that intervention. I hope we're going to have a vaccine and, and we're going to fast track it like you've never seen before. And which activities like mass gatherings uh, may be in a certain sense more optional. And so until you're widely vaccinated, those may not uh, come back uh, at all. The certificates of who's a recovered person, who's a vaccinated person, because you don't want people moving around the world where you'll have some countries that won't have it under control. Sadly, you don't want to completely block off the ability for those you know, people to go there and come back and move around. So we'll have a lot of unusual measures mm -hmm. until we get the world vaccinated. You know, seven billion people, that's a tall order, mm -hmm. but it is, it is where we need to get to and not just take care of our country, but take that vaccine out to the global population uh, a vaccine that's highly effective that we get out to the world population. Else are we not listening to that we need to take action on now? Well, the, the idea of a, a bioterrorist attack is kind of the nightmare scenario because they're a pathogen with a high death rate would be ticked. Now, the good news is, okay. I'm not trying to depress you, it's tough enough Too late. right now, Too that late. most of the work we're gonna do to be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one. Most of the work we'll do to be ready for that are also the things we need to do uh, to minimize the threat of, of bioterrorism. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, 
uh, a new world order. The time has come for the world to move in a new direction. We must embrace a new era of engagement based on mutual interest and mutual respect. And our work must begin now. And the president outlined his vision of a new world order in which the U.S. would participate fully, one rooted on four basic principles. Non-proliferation and disarmament, the promotion of peace and security, the preservation of our planet, and a global economy that advances opportunity for all people. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. There's a need for a new world order, but it has different characteristics in different parts of, of the world. Never before has a new world order had to be assembled from so many different perceptions or on so global a scale. Nor has any previous order had to combine the attributes of the historic balance of power system with global democratic opinion and the exploding technology of the contemporary period. After 1989, President Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order. I think its task will be to develop an overall strategy for America in this period when really a new world order can be created. It's a great opportunity. It isn't just a crisis. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order, where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind, peace, and security, freedom, and the rule of law. So, in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, a new world is emerging. It is a new world order. Yeah, Jessica, the doctors say that they have compiled their own data of coronavirus cases here in Kern County and used their research from the cases here to cross-reference them with numbers across the nation and really across the globe. They say that that data shows that healthy people don't need to shelter in place anymore. And of course, that's going against what a lot of health experts have been telling us so far. I say, do we need to still shelter in place? Our answer is emphatically no. Do we need businesses to be shut down? Emphatically, no. They have tested 5,213 patients within the county for the coronavirus. That makes up for over half of all testing done here. They say their data and research qualifies their statement. Is the flu less dangerous than COVID? Let's look at the death rates. No, it's not. They're similar in prevalence and in death rate. So we are saying that our response now, now that we know the facts, it's time to get back to work. But White House Coronavirus Task Force expert Dr. Anthony Fauci says otherwise, with national research showing COVID-19 cases to be over 10 times as lethal than the flu. But Fauci's decades of experience as an immunologist and physician holds no weight in the eyes of Erickson and Masihi. We're actually seeing the patients 
Dr. Fauci hasn't seen a patient for 20 years. Reporting the disease, Erickson claims, is being forced onto healthcare professionals. ER doctors now, my friends that I talk to say, you know, it's interesting, when I'm, when I'm writing up my death report, I'm being pressured to add COVID. Why is that? Why are we being pressured to add COVID to maybe increase the numbers and make it look a little bit worse than it is? I think so. According to Erickson, there is something much larger at play here. This is not about science, and it's not even about COVID. When they use the word safe, the word safe, if you listen to the word safe, that's about controlling you. So when I talk to all my ER doctors who work in a hospital, no stake in the game, same opinion. Uh, doctor, I want to read for our viewers what the CDC says in part about how to count COVID deaths relating to that last issue we just raised. In cases where a definite diagnosis of COVID cannot be made, but is suspected or likely, like the circumstances are compelling with a reasonable degree of certainty, it is acceptable to report COVID-19 on a death certificate as probable or presumed. So doctor, what's the problem with that? Well, in short, it's ridiculous. I spent some time earlier today just going through the CDC's manual on how to complete death certificates and part, the parts that were specifically written for physicians. And in that manual, it talks of precision and specificity, and that's what we were trained with. The determination of the cause of death is a big deal. It has impact on estate planning. It has impact on future generations. And the idea that we're going to allow people to massage and sort of game the numbers is a real issue because we're going to undermine the trust and right now as we see politicians doing things that aren't necessarily motivated on fact and science the public's gonna their trust in politicians is already wearing thin what do you say to those folks who are who are making the claim without really any evidence that these deaths are being padded, that the number of COVID-19 deaths are being padded. You will always have conspiracy theories when you have uh, very challenging public health crises. They are nothing but distractions. Conspiracy theories, doctor? So you're engaging in conspiracy theories. What do you say to Dr. Fauci tonight? Well, I would remind him that anytime healthcare intersects with dollars, it gets awkward. Speaking of Bill Gates and predictions about pandemics, this George magazine from February 1997 has Bill Gates in it, talking about Murdoch, money, and world domination. Right here, Bill Gates admits that he funds population control. Ironically, later in this magazine, they're talking about the year 2020 and a cashless society. It says, and we move closer to a cashless society in which the ubiquity of electronic transactions will cripple the underground economy. And in bold here it says, worst case scenario, an overpopulated planet choked to extinction by a lung attacking virus. And remember Anthony Fauci? Yeah, he's good at predictions too. If there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, 
but also there will be a surprise outbreak. And there will be a surprise outbreak. Gates was talking about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and how they're tackling COVID-19. Now, one of his answers was about people safely returning to work. He wrote that a system of, quote, digital certificates could be used to show if you've already been tested or eventually vaccinated. This technology will help to identify who has been vaccinated or not. Bill Gates has said that life will not return to normal until 7 billion people are vaccinated and have a digital certificate proving they have been vaccinated. In other words, you will not be able to return to work without this mark and therefore will not be able to buy or sell. And Microsoft recently patented a cryptocurrency system using body activity data called WO. 2020-060606. So the end is near. We've heard that before. In fact, we've heard it so many times we might become a little bit jaded to the message. But listen to this. It's not just Christians that are saying the end is near. It's also a group of atomic scientists that have something they call the doomsday clock. Have you ever heard of that before? They get together and uh, update this clock. It started back in 1947 as World War II had come to an end and of course nuclear weapons were just being developed. These scientists came together and the first year back in 1947 they set the clock to seven minutes till midnight. In other words, seven minutes till the end of the world. Seven minutes till mankind blows himself up. That was 1947 according to these atomic scientists. Uh, then they moved it up to six minutes till midnight till the end in 2010. Now they've just moved up the doomsday clock to three minutes till midnight because of all that's going on in the world. It's never been closer than it is right now. One thing is clear. We've never been closer to the end of the world than we are right here, right now. But the Bible also speaks of a new beginning that's going to come as well. A time when righteousness will reign supreme. There'll be no more perversion, no more murder, no more terrorism, no more war, no more starvation, no problem at all. Why? Because the Bible says the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth. So that's the good news. The bad news is it's gonna get worse before it gets better. So here in Revelation 13, we're looking at spiritually dark times and the tribulation period. This is still in the future. We're not at the point that we're reading about in Revelation right now, but we're moving toward this moment. And we've already been introduced to the Antichrist, also identified as the man of sin, sort of a satanic Superman, if you will. It'll be history's vilest embodiment of sin and rebellion. Antichrist will be the most evil man who has ever lived. And what will his agenda be? Well, as pointed out last time, three things. Number one, he's coming to deify Satan. Because Revelation 13, 4 says they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast who is able to make war with them? Remember, we already discovered in Revelation that the dragon speaks of Satan and the beast speaks of the Antichrist. So he comes to deify the devil. Number two, he's coming to defy and take the place of Christ. He's coming to defy and take the place of Christ. Remember the prefix anti doesn't just mean against, 
It also means instead of or in the place of. And many will think he is the Messiah because of his peaceful beginnings and other things that he will do later to be contradicted by his horrific acts of violence and such. But Revelation 13, 5 says, there's given a mouth speaking to him, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he continues for 42 months, he opens his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. So he is coming to defy and take the place of Jesus. And third and lastly, he's coming to kill Christians. Uh, because verse 7 of Revelation 13 says, It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Listen, the beast, the Antichrist, will relentlessly hunt down and murder followers of Jesus Christ. And now we're also introduced to his sidekick, if you will, sort of a religious guru that will work in cahoots with Antichrist. Uh, he's called the false prophet. So let's read about that. Revelation 13, starting in verse 11. Read along with me. Then I saw another beast, this is the false prophet, coming out of the earth who had two horns like a lamb. You might underline that, like a lamb. But he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those that dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He survives that assassination attempt. He performs great signs, verse 13, so he can even make fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those that dwell on the earth by those signs, which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship and cause as many as would who would not worship the image of the beast would be killed. Verse 16. This is a big one. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or their forehead and no man may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is a number of a man. The number is 666. We've heard that before, haven't we? Here's a simple summation. Uh, Antichrist is going to introduce a cashless society requiring people to take a mark where no one can buy or sell without this mark. Now this, according to what we just read, is initiated by his sidekick, the false prophet. Verse 15 makes clear that the key issue here is to ultimately worship the beast. So people will have a choice in the tribulation period, worship Antichrist or worship Jesus Christ. Just a quick little uh, rabbit trail. A lot of times people think uh, that people will not come to Christ in the tribulation. That's not true. We're going to have some of the greatest revivals in human history happen in the tribulation period. Many are going to believe in Jesus. So God will still be at work, but they'll be under intense persecution. And of course, I believe that we will not be there, those of us who have put our faith in Christ in the tribulation period. I believe that Christ will come for His church before the tribulation period begins. We'll be safely in heaven 
only to return at the end of the tribulation with Christ and the second coming. I'll tell you what, that's good news. Even 40 years ago, this would seem implausible, if not outright impossible, but not anymore. Folks, we all know that technology for this sort of thing is already here. Think about it. The Bible predicted this world economic system more than 2,000 years ago. As author Mark Hitchcock points out, he's an excellent author on uh, Bible prophecy. He said, and I quote, the fact that the words of Revelation 13 were penned in the age of wood, stones, and swords, and spears makes the prophes this prophecy one of the most powerful proofs of the inspired nature and reliability of God's Word that one could have imagined. Who but God could predict a one-world economic system that controls all commerce? And that's true. I mean, think about what a radical prediction this was on the part of the Apostle John, really recording the words of Jesus. Now, this is not a big secret. <laughs> the government already has access to all that information in social media and all the information in your emails and all the information on your cell phones and a whole lot more than that. So this technology is already in play. Uh, even at this moment, as one expert said, so many security cameras are poorly secured are already on the internet. You actually can access these cameras globally. So Antichrist is going to har harness the latest tech and he will know everything about everyone. That might have seemed far-fetched at one time, but not anymore. How can God say such a thing with such accuracy? God lives in the realm of eternity. So when God speaks of the future, it's as accurate as if you and I were speaking of the present or even the past. He says in Isaiah 46, uh, I am the Lord. I don't forget the things I've done through history. I'm God and I alone and no one else is like me. Only I can tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass and I'll do everything I wish. And that's so true. So one world government a new global economy ruled by one man is coming. I was watching a business news channel on TV a while back and one financial expert said, and I quote, the real reform uh, that we need right now is a new banking union where everyone signs on board and then there's gonna be some kind of a banking overlord, a banking union that everyone's going to have to bow down to, end quote. And I thought, wow, does he even know what he's saying? Yes, a banking overlord is coming. And he'll have a solution that everyone will indeed, quote, bow down to, end quote, and he's called Antichrist. And he will have his mark. He will do this for increased control of commerce. It will be perfect and complete control. His economic policy is very simple. Take my mark and worship me or starve. No mark, no merchandise. No seal, no sale. So if you want to function in this new economy under this coming world leader, you have to take the mark. Now we already know about uh, this technology that's developing, and I'm sure when Antichrist emerges, it'll be even more sophisticated than it is at the moment. But for years they've been doing microchip implants and pets. And, uh, and of course we have that little feature, you know, on our iPhones, uh, find my phone. Then there's a thing called a tile. And uh, so there already is the technology out there to 
put some kind of an implant in a person, a barcode, a unique ID, and he'll probably use something like that. Now, certainly we're gonna see technology that points in this direction. But here's the problem with taking this mark. It's more than just a functional or practical decision. There are spiritual ramifications as well. In fact, taking the mark of the beast will seal one's everlasting doom. Later in Revelation 14, we read, a third angel followed them, shouting, anyone who worships the beast and his statue or accepts his mark on the forehead or the hand must drink the wine of God's wrath. It is poured out undiluted. So this is something a person would not want to do. Now, why would anyone take this mark knowing what we know about this? Well, the answer is they'll be spiritually deceived. You might say, well, thanks for the heads up. You know, when I hit the trib, I won't take the mark. Well, okay, you might think that, but you know, there's a delusion that will fall on people. In fact, there's an interesting passage in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 that says, this evil man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and wonders. He'll use every kind of wicked deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to believe the truth that would save them. Listen. So God will send great deception upon them and they'll believe the lie. They'll believe the lie. God will send the deception and they'll believe the lie. What is the lie? They'll believe that Antichrist is God. This means that people not only believe but embrace Antichrist and his mark and they turn from Jesus Christ. And all of humanity that agrees with that, all of humanity that agrees that man can be God, it, it will be nothing to these people to receive a mark on their forehead or their hand because they've already agreed with it long before the mark ever comes. They've already agreed with this fallen thinking, this fallen theology. In their minds, they've been given to this fallen condition that man can be an, as God in the right hand, which always represents the hand of power. Remember, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Christ stands at the right hand of the poor, the scripture says, to strengthen him and to lift him up. And the right hand is the hand of strength. It's where, it's where we're reaching. It's what we're ascribing to be and to attain. It's what we've set our hand to do. So it would be just natural to receive that mark as it is on the right hand because the pursuit has already been in line with the thinking of Satan himself. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, he said, that day, that's the day of Christ, will not come except there come a falling away first. Falling away. You, in order to fall away, you have to have been somewhere to fall away. A falling away. A falling away of people who sat in church but never embraced the work of God. Never really had, didn't want to go to hell, but didn't want to live for heaven either. It's all been about a bride, a church, his son, and eternity with him. And the world is going to be folded away. And leaders and kings are all in the hand of God. There's nobody can form a plan that is outside of the will of God. And when you and I finally understand that, we're being brought to this, I think the culmination of the world as we know it is very, very close. And there are multitudes in a place of decision now. It, how deep am I gonna go with God? How far am I gonna go? How, how much am I going to let him rule my life? How willing am I to let his value system become mine? His plan for my feet become the plan of my life as opposed to my own plan, which really does make me the God of my own life, doesn't it? Luke 21, 26, Jesus says, men's hearts will fail them for fear and for looking after the things which are coming 
on the earth. Things that, you notice how suddenly everything just started to spiral out of control? And there's a, there's a, a concern which you should rightly have in your heart. If your value system is, is in these things, you, you really should be concerned. And just like Esau did, many who still have access to the promises of God are going to have to make a choice. Now, now Esau was one of the sons of, of, let me not just go into all the history, but he had access to the promise that God gave to Abraham. The promise of life, the promise of, of supernatural empowerment, the promise to, that he would be a blessing in the earth and it was going to flow through him. Just like you have that promise, I have that promise. But he had a choice to make. And one day he walked in and he, he was hungry and he, he saw he had a choice between what is promised tomorrow and will be eternal or what is here today at, and won't last for long. And it's almost inconceivable that he traded off the life of Christ that, was flow, that could have flowed through him for stew, for a bowl of stew. But you see, he held no value to the, the life of Christ. And that's, it became the natural thing to trade it off. Why will people fall away? Well, because they've been part of the family, but never really internally embraced what that means. Never really came to a place of awe and saying, God, you promised me life. You promised to come and dwell within this earth and body. You promised, Lord, to make me much more than I could ever be in myself. You, you promised to lead me on a path through this earth and then into eternity where I'll rule and reign with you. And, and much of that is promise. You, you may not see the fulfillment of all of it on this side of eternity. And Esau was a man who just said, no, I, I just want it now. Just like the prodigal son, give, give me my inheritance now. I want the kingdom now. I don't want to wait until this, this physical life is over. I, I want it all right here and I want it all right now. I want to be wealthy now. I want, to, I want a mansion now. I want to rule now. I want it all now. And so he sold off what really is God and took the inheritance and headed in the wrong direction. Esau headed in the wrong direction and the prodigal son headed in the wrong direction. Malachi 1.3, the Lord said, I hated Esau and I laid his mountains and his heritage waste. God says, I hated the testimony of that man in the earth walking out and maybe professing, yeah, Abraham's my grandfather. I mean, the promise is mine. But God said, I hated that image of God that this man portrayed in the earth. This, this self-focused, selfish, carnal man who claimed to be in the lineage of God. The Lord says, I hated this image of God in this man Esau. And you could say that the mark of owning neither the presence nor the promise of God was on him. He was, he was marked. You're looking to be God in your own life and somehow circumvent God's will and God's word in your life. You're trying to justify practices, relationships, whatever it is that you're involved in. You're trying to make make what is wrong right. The world passes away, John says in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. And the lust of this world is passing away. That means everything that satisfies the flesh, that which delights the eyes, that which gives pride to the human heart. But he that does the will of God abides forever. The people of the opening text received the mark because that's where their minds were. They failed to understand the seductive power of human reasoning that creates a path that it truly believes lead to, leads to safety, but it doesn't. Human mind is a seductive thing. And when you combine it with the power of evil and its reasoning, people can be led almost anywhere. 
There's a way that seems right unto a man, the scripture says, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, 39, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. They knew not. I think of the multitudes that must have passed by the ark that God was building at that time on their way into the city to do whatever it was they were doing in the city. And I'm not suggesting all the activity was evil, but I am suggesting it fell short of the glory of God. And they, they knew where it was and they passed by and scripture tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness and he would have been standing before the multitude saying, there's a day of justice coming. Folks, you've got to get right with God. You, you need to get into that place of safety, which he is preparing clearly, visibly before you. It's not hidden. It's not a secret. It's, it's not something you can honestly ever say when you stand before God. I didn't know it was there. I didn't know what it implied. You see, it implied a leaving of the pursuits as it is, the, the full pursuits of the things of this world and the beginning of, of the building of something that was being ridiculed by fallen man. They knew not until the floods came and took them all away. Revelation chapter 12 tells us that Satan was cast down to the earth, knowing his time is short, and he cast out of his mouth water as a flood. They knew not till the flood came and took them all away. Satan is one day physically this scripture in Revelation will be fulfilled where this water comes. It's a combination of threat, promise, and deception. This, this dirty water comes out of this vessel that claims himself to be God and deceives multitudes by this flood that are on the face of the earth. It speaks of a specific time yet to come, yet this progression of lawlessness and deception, according to Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, is already at work. It's already here. There's already confusion at every turn. This, is, this society is getting confused, folks. There's, there's, there doesn't even seem to be a quest for truth anymore. In Ezekiel 9, now God was about to judge Jerusalem, but he had a man with a, a pen, an ink horn, and a certain type of ink, and he said, go and set a mark. Set it on the foreheads. Remember the mark in Revelation was on the forehead, in the right hand. Set it on the forehead of all the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Set a mark upon those whose value system is in line with God. Set a mark upon those who feel what God feels, upon those whose value system is not so intertwined that they, they just walk down the streets singing, New York, New York, what a wonderful place this is. And they have no spiritual eyes. And they don't see what's going on here. They don't understand the day we're living in. They're not aware of the peril. He said, set a mark on them. God knows those that are his. God knows who you are out there. They're sealed, Jesus said, in the Father's hand. That settles it to me, folks. Sealed in the hand of the Father. Let, let hell throw what it may. Let the devil send a flood out of his mouth. Let society get confused as it want to get. Those who belong to Christ, I am. You are sealed in the hand of Almighty God. And nobody, nobody can take you out of the hand of God. Nobody. No flood, no fire, no army, no demonic power. No height, no depth, no battle, no evil, no situation, no poverty, no trial. Nothing, nothing can take you out of the hand of God. Nothing.
The scripture tells us that no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon. I want you to go into this scenario with me for a moment. As Satan sends a demonic horde into New York City and says, go down and convince these people they should receive a mark. I can see this devil coming back to his captain saying, well, I went down there and I, I tried to place a mark on this person, but there was no place to put it because there's already a covering there and it takes up the whole space. There's not even a corner, there's not even a little place I could put a mark. The covering takes up the whole space. And Satan says, well, why didn't you write over the top of it? He said, well, I tried, but whatever it's made of, when I tried to write, your pen wouldn't write there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Joel says that even though these things may come on the earth, the Lord will be the hope of his people. The Lord will keep his people. You don't need to worry about these things. You're probably going to hear a lot about it. You turn on the television, everybody's going to be talking about these things in our generation. But God sent me to help tell you this morning that you don't have to worry about any of these things. You're already marked. The space is taken. Hallelujah. Nothing else can be put there. You're already marked. Hallelujah. And what God has cleansed, nobody, nobody can touch. Nobody can declare it unclean. Nobody, nobody can touch the children of the living God. Nobody, nobody. Go throughout the city. The command was in Ezekiel, but do not touch those upon whom is the mark of God. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I know I have the mark of God upon my heart. Fathers with families, don't be afraid of provision. Don't be afraid of the future. God is going to provide. You say, Pastor, how's he going to provide? I don't know. Look in the scriptures. One time it just rained bread out of heaven. Other times just jars just miraculously filled up with oil. And when they poured it out, it just never went away. How's he going to provide? One time he took a few fish and a couple of loaves and he fed 10,000 people with it. Hallelujah. How's he going to provide? I read in the scriptures one time he brought 3 million people out of captivity. And for 40 years their shoes didn't wear out. For 40 years their clothes never got old. How's he going to provide? Praise God. The same way he's always provided. We're not going to need any help from the devil for, to get bread in our cupboard or get clothes on our back, folks. Praise be to God. What a day this is going to be. The Lord is miraculously going to help his people. Glory to God. 
thousands and thousands are going to come into the house of the Lord because there's going to be bread in Bethlehem again. Teens and young people, don't worry about your future. Don't sit there wringing your hands saying, what is in this for me? And oh, woe is me. Jobs are disappearing and, and nations are in distress. And what is my future going to hold? Your future, you're going to be in heaven with God. You're going to be ruling cities according to what I read. You're going to have an explosion of knowledge in your mind. The scripture says you're going to even know as you are known. You're going to be in the presence of God. You're going to acknowledge him as God and it's just going to be an ever increasing glory and joy. And until that day, God says, just occupy where you are. Just take one day at a time. Just put one foot in front of the other. It's not about here. It's about eternity. You don't have to be afraid. 